Welcome to the Transform Podcast. My name is Andrew Farhat. I'm here with my bride, Daisy. Hello. Welcome, Daisy. Daisy always increases the views when we have her on the show uh, because she's so wise. And so we're grateful that you are here today. And um, today we get to jump right into a, a topic that is frequently asked in uh, the Christian community, and it's extremely important. Uh, there was a wise man that once told me there's two big decisions you will make in your life. And he said, it's what you do with Jesus and who you decide to marry. And I think, Daisy, haven't we seen that to be very true in our lives? Oh yeah, over and over again. Over and over again. I think in the, we've been married for 18 years, mm -hmm. and I think in that time frame we've said, wow, that's turned out to be true. And with these people's lives that we know, these friends, these family members, we've said it over and over again. Um, and so that's why I think that that statement that I heard from a pastor and author a long time ago, when I talk to my daughters, I say, look for the two J's, job and Jesus, right? <laughs> Don't compromise on either one of those. Make sure that you have discernment, that you're making a good decision. Mm -hmm. So what about dating? Daisy, did you have a quote to kick us off? Yeah, I thought this, this quote from an article on Desiring God, our website, um, just I feel like really sets the tone for how we should approach um, dating and all, all areas of our life if we want to um, date with as Christians and take our faith seriously. It says, do you want to date and marry well? Listen to Jesus and love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Seek him first and dating will be added according to his perfect plan and timing. So I just think the beauty of that is just um, letting Jesus and your faith and God be a part of the process of dating instead of trying to um, either be in control or rush things or um, not think through your decisions. Like just let, let Jesus guide you and have faith that he has a good plan for your life. Okay, so this is huge because I think that what we can do is compartmentalize dating, mm, maybe sure. think, okay, uh, what are the Christian rules or wisdom that I need to follow? But this is saying, you know, wh why don't you love the Lord your God first? Because mm -hmm. the relationships are all going to flow out of his perfect design. So if he has a perfect design for us um, and he has made that design for us to flourish, then I love that quote because it's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength first. And then that's going to shape how you see everything else. Mm -hmm. And I think I just piggyback on that by saying in, in Christian circles, I think we've done poor by just we state all of the rules when it comes to dating. Mm. So you, we believe in courtship and not dating. Mm -hmm. Or we don't believe in sex before dating. Or you know, we don't believe in this, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, I think that we need to reframe the conversation to talk about stewardship of the gift. The gift is entrusted to us by God. Mm -hmm. So he made it all. He made the gift of attraction. He made the gift of sex. He made the gift of uh, the relationship and marriage and children. He, did, he put it all out there for us. So how do we be good stewards of it? Mm -hmm. I think this is relevant if uh, someone's listening that is currently dating if someone is divorced and uh, is considering trusting again, or if you're a parent and you have children, they're going to be dating before you know it, if not right now. So this is 
exceedingly relevant. Um, and I would, I would start off by saying there are three phases to dating. Um, and they are discovery, commitment, and covenant. I think we're going to hit a lot on the discovery phase because that's where the, that's the dating phase. So discovery is dating. Commitment is when you get engaged. Covenant is the marriage covenant. A covenant is when two people bind them their faithfulness to the other party, regardless of what the other person does, for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, for sickness and health, till death do us part. That is a covenant you're making publicly before God and other witnesses. Um, and so, but let's hit the discovery part. The Bible doesn't have a lot to say on dating, but it does have a lot to say on discernment. And this is really interesting, like how the scriptures does that. The Bible does that on, on certain topics. Like on some topics, they're going to give you uh, uh, basics and wisdom, but then there's going to be some freedom. Um, and I think that there is, there is some of that here. But nevertheless, there is a lot of uh, wisdom when it comes to discernment. And I guess I would start off by saying this, as we talk about discernment in the discovery phase of dating, where you're discovering who the person really is. Uh, Daisy, how important is the discernment phase to a person's life that's dating? Yeah, I think... Um... We've encountered several people lately who have, um, it's been a Christian who's married a non-Christian and they've been married for a long time and then um, sadly gotten a divorce. And, um, you know, we've just heard through this process, like I, I wish I would have done things differently. I wish I would have had known what was gonna happen. And I think um, there's so many emotions involved in dating and the temptation is to either move quickly or not consider really um, what the relationship will look like for the rest of your life. It might be good while you're dating. It might um, be a good relationship then, but um, we can be very short-sighted if we don't consider um, what will it look like to grow older with this person, to have children with this person, to make decisions about our children and about our faith and about you know, will we go to church? How will we raise our kids? Um, those decisions maybe aren't talked about. And then once you're married, then you have to deal with the ramifications of who that person is. So I would say discovery is the, you know, absolutely most important thing that you can do when you're dating someone else. Yeah. So it's, um, I know it goes without saying, like, don't rush into anything, but like, Really, don't rush into anything. You know, you, you have to have discernment, wisdom in this discovery phase because it's like um, you are going to join your life, your finances, your children, your legacy, your future to this person. You know, so you want to make sure that you're going to flourish, that your children are going to flourish, that your finances are going to flourish. Um, you want to you know, really know the person and what you are getting yourself into. And I think that we've seen a lot of pain in the past 18 years that we have been married in our ministry to different ministry locations mm -hmm. um, in multiple states. Um, and I think that I would start off since uh, we're, we talk a lot about worldview on this podcast. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that your worldview is the same. Mm -hmm your common outlook on life, your values, 
Like your values are going to be more important on whether or not you both like Thai food. Like, <laughs> you know, Thai food is great, but you need to make sure that your values fit mm -hmm. um, and that what you're looking for on a day-to-day -day basis really fits. Because if they don't fit and you're not compatible on values and worldview and faith, you are in big trouble and you're setting yourself up either to feed off of somebody with different values than you, which takes away from where you're going in your life, or um, in a worse way, you just are clashing a lot mm -hmm. and you're not on the same page because you don't think the same way about life. Mm -hmm. So you're joining your life with someone. Make sure you think in ways that support where you're going together. I think, you know, we hear people say, oh, well, they're going to change. And I would say in our experience, we have seen a few people change, but in the vast majority of cases, they don't. I would say it's much more rare for someone to come around to their partner's point of view, their partner's way of thinking, than it is for there just to be a total disruption down the, down the line someday. Yeah, I think that that's something that we've also seen not work well is when we think, oh, we're going to, uh, you know, kind of get romantic and really physical, but I really don't like uh, their belief system. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that over time that will just change. Mm -hmm. But then, man, now you're combining romance with hoping that they'll change their mind on worldview issues and on faith issues and value issues. And man that is a recipe for a disaster um, and so why not wait for the person god has given to you or even send that person to your friends of his same gender or her same gender and then maybe that through that um, there can be some growth without you bringing in all of your romance and emotions mm -hmm. into it right you know and getting sucked into it before you don't eat you don't even like who they are now. Mm -hmm. You like the version they might become one day and they may not become that person, mm -hmm. you know? So Proverbs chapter two, verses three through five says, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. A beautiful uh, scripture when it comes to discernment. And then in addition, Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And I think that when you are in the midst of dating, man, there's so much going on. You're falling in love. You're really starting to attach to someone. Mm -hmm. You're talking every day. Uh, you're starting to feel something inside. Um, you're attracted to the other person. You like to spend time with the other person. So it's easy for all of those emotions to really take over mm -hmm. in the process. But it says a wise man listens to advice. Yeah. Charles Spurgeon said, discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. And see, sometimes when you're dating somebody, that's what it is. Mm -hmm right and almost right like you need other people who aren't clouded in their vision like you to objectively give you wisdom and i'm not saying you need to get wisdom from every single person in your life but choose those who you believe are wise mm -hmm. choose those that you believe are filled with the spirit choose those that you believe are filled with wisdom 
And then you probably need to listen. <laughs> like if they have red flags, if they're saying slow down and here's why, man, don't say, oh, I'm in love. I can't stop now. No, you can't. You're not married yet. You know, so now's a perfect time to slow down. Um, and to not just turn that part of yourself off because you just want to move forward so bad. Um, discernment is the ability to see things for what they really are and not for what you want them to be. I remember, um, and I don't watch The Bachelorette, but there was a time where I had it on, and I think that um, The Bachelorette at the time, it was down to two men. One was like that really cool musician that all the girls liked. He was kind of the cool jerk type dude. He was the bad boy. And then there was another guy that was a little bit more clean cut. I mean, he was cool too. Um, and it was down to two of them. So they, she brings them to mom and dad, mom and dad get to weigh in and mom and dad both are in agreement. We really like the clean quote unquote clean cut guy better. And these are just my terms, by the way. <laughs> um, and then they just, you know, they just weren't so sure they trusted in the other dude, mm -hmm. the musician guy. So, lo and behold, comes down to decision day. It comes down to the rose ceremony. She gives the rose to the musician. She didn't listen to her parents. About a couple weeks after the show was over, um, she found out that his intentions weren't all clear. Uh, I think that he was doing, he was on the show for the wrong reasons. I think maybe he also had some other girls on the side too that he was talking to and she was furious and so she called everything off and she brought him back on the show to basically tell him that on national television he apologized on national television too but I just thought to myself this is what I see a lot happening mm -hmm the past 20 years or so that I've observed people in this sphere of life, you know, it's like her parents, um, they're not God, but her parents seem pretty wise. So why not listen to what they have to say? Um, and so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, involving your trusted community in the dating process is really important for that discernment. I think just also crying out to the Lord in prayer is also a huge part of it. I mean, if you're asking God for wisdom in your relationship and whether you should go forward with someone, I think, you know, he's going to make that really clear. Um, if you're really, your heart is open to changing direction if needed. Um, I think as parents, like we, we have a lot to say to our, especially our older children about their friendships and potential relationships with people of the opposite sex. And um, we really hope and pray that they'll listen to us because we know that we do have more life experience than they do. We have a lot more experience with interacting with other people and with community and with the future. And so we just, you know, hope and pray that they'll take our advice. And I just think that 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 is so important. Um, if somebody does see a red flag in someone else, there's usually a reason for that. Usually there is something going on. Maybe it's not a deal breaker, but it's still something that you should be aware of and take seriously. That's right, absolutely. So discernment is key. 
it can save you a lot of pain down the road. I kind of, it's not this, all analogies fall short in some way. But if you're hiring an executive employee for your organization, um, man, if you don't take your time with that discernment process, mm. that's like $100,000 of waste for the organization that you just committed. And I know that, and, and I would say this, that is probably like um, 5% of the pain that you would experience in a bad marriage. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, I, you know, I love how we're talking about this because, you know, we have four children. Uh, we have two teenage daughters and they better listen. If I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah. this dude is not good for you. Yeah. I hope that they're like, oh, okay, um, there must be a reason he's saying that, right? He's looking out for me. He wants the best for me. He wants me to thrive. I'm at least going to consider it. I hope we get that. Um, so keep praying. Um, <laughs> all right. So we've talked about the, the gift of dating, the gift of attraction, the three phases of a relationship, uh, discernment in the discovery phase. I think that here is something during the discovery phase and also as you go forward with the covenant phase and get married that I think needs to be discussed. And that's the role of friendship. Mm, yeah. And I would say friendship is at the foundation of your dating relationship. Friendship will be at the foundation of your marriage too. Um, Two people interact on a daily basis a lot as friends. Mm -hmm. Planning as friends, socializing as friends, shooting the breeze as friends, having meaningful conversations as friends. Um, and so the physical should flow out of the personal and the relational and not vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I think what can happen, and this is kind of similar to what we were talking about before, is if the if the physical and the romantic part overwhelms in the discovery phase, you will uh, not be able to see clearly the friendship aspect mm -hmm. of the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think our tendency um, culturally is that if you start dating someone, you start spending a lot of alone time with that person, um, I think. You know, we have, we have cars, we have ways to get around, we don't necessarily want to hang out with our parents. Um, it's very easy to be isolated in relationships. Um, however, I think that really develops the romantic side of the relationship and maybe not so much the just normal living life together aspect. So I think a really important part of um, dating as a Christian is dating in community and not in isolation. And really making that something that's important and something that's discussed up front and something that you're on the same page about so that it doesn't become a fight, but that's something that you both think is important. And I think um, choosing that community is very important. Like, who are we going to spend time together with? Is it going to be people who encourage us, who can speak into our relationship? Um, I know when... Um, we started dating. You were friends with a group of guys and they were married. These guys were. Um, and you were not and you were dating. And I think you learned a lot of wisdom 
on how to be a husband from these men. Like you saw how they treated their wives. These were all Christian men who had good marriages and who treated their, their wives well. And I think that was really meaningful for you. And then once we got married, we continued to stay friends with this group of people. And um, I think those interactions were helpful for us in learning, like, what does it look like to be married and to have those people speak into our lives and our relationship. Um, when we were dating, we went to church together, mm -hmm. if I'm rem remembering right. And so we have, you know, our pastor who was a part of our relationship. And I think that um, all of those, those community aspects can really add a lot to the friendship and to the development of a healthy relationship that's not just focused on being isolated or on the romantic side of things. Absolutely. So, so there's power in building the friendship, uh, but then there's also power in involving friends too. So dating in community versus dating in isolation. And I think our culture is set up for isolation mm -hmm. because we're not a traditional culture anymore. And we, you know, have a lot of ways to be on our own and spend time alone, which um, is important. There should be alone time. Uh, but then there also should be the community aspect that God's created for people to weigh in, to speak into the situation, to pray. Um, and yes, I did. I think that community that you're referring to was like a life group that we have here, but yet it was in the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were other godly men that I could look up to, learn from, uh, and they were already married. They were further along. You could see that they loved their wives as Christ loved the church. They were willing to die for their wives. They were willing to do anything for their wives, and they, they were flourishing in their marriages. All of them still have great marriages till this day. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there, there's power in that. So it's kind of like you're, you're walking in the light mm -hmm. versus walking in darkness. Mm -hmm. If you want to date and just do everything alone and let the physical part go, go out of control, then I think that it's kind of like you're just kind of in isolation mm -hmm. versus being in community in the way that God has created it. Mm -hmm. So, um, Finally, I would ask this question to help people on their journey is what is it that would bring unity and flourishing in a spouse? Um, and I think that what I would say there is I would encourage people to really kind of narrow that down. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it? Um, I know, uh, like my cousin is almost 50 years old and I think he's still looking for a supermodel who will cook every night for him. Um, and then there are other people that I, I remember I was at this Christian camp in college and this guy goes, Andrew, I think I'm just going to keep waiting as long as possible before I like get married. And I think the reason is I think the longer I wait, the more perfect she will be. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, um, you got to be kidding me because see, like you got to grow yourself. Mm -hmm. Marriage isn't about the other person being perfect for you. Marriage is about you growing in your whole sanctification and your holiness. And she's going to challenge that in your life. She's going to challenge your selfishness. She's going to challenge, you know, your bachelor way of living. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always will remember that. Um, <laughs> but I'd say, 
you can't be overly picky mm -hmm. to go to the other end of the cliff. Because we've talked about so far, be picky. Mm -hmm. But the other end of the cliff is be overly picky mm -hmm. to the point where you don't really know what you want. Um, and I would say it's good to have like a top three or a top five. Like these are things that are I have to have to flourish. So are they a follower of Christ? Mm -hmm. Is this somebody I'm very attracted to? Is this somebody that is dependable? Like I could depend on them with a, my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, I think you want to have that and discern if the other person, you know, can meet that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other thoughts or anything you wanted to add? Um, I think, you know, in regards to those top three, I think um, just to add to that, you know, sometimes we have some things that we're looking for in someone like for example, my, one of my daughters, like, he has to watch NFL football with me. Like, that's one of her top ones, <laughs> which is cute. And maybe she will find someone. But I know that as she grows older, I'm hoping that she'll grow out of that way of thinking. And she'll, and as the more we talk to her, because, of course, we've talked to her about this, is, um, yeah, it's great to have common interests. However, the foundation is the most important part that foundation of understanding the world the same way and looking at the world the same way. And um, beyond that, not everything is going to match up perfectly because you're both sinful human beings who have a tendency towards selfishness. And um, there's, there's going to be conflict in your marriage, no matter who you're married to. But is this somebody that you can work through conflict with because you trust that person and you know that they're right with, in the relationship with God and will listen to his direction in their life? And um, those, those really important things need to be nailed down. Mm -hmm. let, let that be icing on the cake, right? Right. <laughs> let football be icing on the cake. Don't let that be in your top three, yeah. right? Um, and I think that's the wisdom that God's word would give you is make sure you're united on the most important things and then don't major in the minors, you know? Um, and then also know this, I think there's a book that we read when we got married by Gary Thomas and he, it's called Sacred Marriage. Mm -hmm. And then his famous quote is, marriage is meant more for holiness than it is for happiness. Mm -hmm. Now, Tim Keller added to that and he said, However, a marriage where you're both growing in holiness will make you happy. Mm. And they're both very true. Mm. Holiness. It's not just all about you getting everything that you want. Mm. It's not how it's going to work. Actually, that could breed more selfishness and, oh, she needs to do this for me or he needs to do that for me in addition to everything else that's great about this marriage. Um, God wants to make you more like Jesus and make you more humble and make you more serving, make you more giving. Otherwise, we're going to be like Hollywood and we're going to be on our fourth marriages, you know, if we think that way. Um, and then what Tim Keller said, though, is huge. When you're both growing in holiness and you are on the same page, man, there can be a deep unity, intimacy, and joy in your relationship. And that's ultimately what we want for all of our listeners that are listening today. Unity, intimacy, joy. And we hope that, that what these, these points of wisdom 
uh, were helpful today. Uh, next week, we're going to hit on sexuality. Uh, that's what's next. So we're going to talk about sex. Like, what, is, what does God's Word say about sex? Um, and how does He desire for us to view that? Um, so I hope that you'll tune in. And if you have uh, any questions that you would like to submit, please turn them in to hello at sjdenver.org. Also, if you were blessed by this or you want to send this to your daughter or your granddaughter or whoever, uh, we want to encourage you to, to share it if you've been blessed by it. We also want to invite you to subscribe, and we are grateful to be able to serve you in this way. We'll see you next time. Take care.